Welcome to the Dynasty Freaks podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. For free rankings, player values, waiver wire tips, and trade advice, follow him online at dynastyfreaks.com or email dynastyfreaks at gmail.com. Hello and greetings from Austin, Texas. Welcome all of you Dynasty Freaks. Admit it, you are addicted to Dynasty. I am too. My name is Justin Christopher and I'm a Dynasty Freak, which means I love drafting and trading and scouting and managing. All of my teams, 365 days a year, so do you. So let's talk some Dynasty on episode number 192, talking about some training camp battles. So fun. The dead period is over. NFL training camp start this week, and player values are going to rise, they're going to fall with every little you know, camp report that we get. I love following. If you're not following, you definitely should follow NFL Beat Writers on Twitter. Uh, that account is crazy during training camp. You'll be getting dozens and dozens and dozens. Of, it's accurate to say like hundreds of uh, tweets per day on those that are actually following the camps. And admittedly, that can be a little bit of TMI, a little bit too much information. But sometimes it's uh, unwise. You know, sometimes it's you know unwise not to follow something like that, as well as it can be unwise to believe all that you read during fluff pieces that get put out there as well. So what I want to do over the next six, six weeks <clears throat> of training camp is I'm going to do my best to decipher the fact from the fiction, and I'm going to write about players that I believe are rising or falling in dynasty value during this whole lead up to the regular season. We've got training camps, then before you know it, we're going to have preseason games. So over the next six weeks before the season kicks off, what I thought I would do is just write about all the reports and which things I believe and dynasty values that are going up, dynasty values that are going down. But before we do, since training camps get kicked off this week, this week's podcast is just going to be 10 um, training camp battles that I'm interested in, ones that I'm going to be following, and I uh, hope that this gives you a little idea of some of the players that I'm looking forward to uh, seeing what happens uh, during this next six-week period. Super fun time of year, so let's get into them. Here's the first battle that I'm looking forward to seeing. It's James Washington versus Jalen Tolbert. Uh, Michael Gallup is unlikely to start the season, uh, let alone take part in training camp, which really leaves a wide receiver two spot in Dallas wide open. Uh, I'll pay very close attention to see if James Washington, who is a former Boletnikoff winner in college and a second-round pick in 2018 uh, by Pittsburgh, I'm going to see if he's going to be able to beat out Cowboys' third-round pick from this year, 2022. Uh, Washington's already behind Tolbert since Washington missed OTAs due to a lingering, lingering injury. And if his injury persists, Tolbert's going to pass him by for sure. But if Washington can get back on the field, I do think that he can compete for you know really hard for that starting role to start the season in Dallas and remain on the field uh, this year in three receiver sets for sure. Tolbert has uh, three years younger, so he's got he, he's got a much younger. He's uh, on the roster through 2025, while Washington just signed a one-year contract with the Cowboys for this year, this season. That makes me believe that they're going Dallas is going to want to give Tolbert, you know, kind of a leg up against Washington. But I really loved Washington much more as a prospect coming into the NFL. I went back and looked, and in 2018, he was my 10th ranked rookie compared to Tolbert being my 23rd ranked rookie uh, this season, uh, this year's class. Tolbert's stock is definitely rising, and I'm sure that it's going to be he's going to be picked way higher in the two rookie drafts that I have yet to complete. Uh, we've got two more still to go, and I'm sure that compared to where he was drafted in May, he's going to go much higher as a result of some of the news that's been coming out of OTAs and particularly as camp gets started here. I could only draft him in one league so far, uh, but I added Washington in several leagues off the waiver wire once he signed with Dallas this offseason. I think he even traded for him with a really minor trade for a you know, back into the roster guy for another back into the roster guy. So I'm really eager to see, you know, hear camp reports and see how they play in this preseason. 
Next battle that I'm really interested in is Eno Benjamin versus Daryl Williams. I did go all in on Williams after he signed the with the Cardinals this offseason. I believe that he'd be the handcuff one-to-one just directly behind James Conner, which really is a valuable role in an, in an explosive offense behind the older and oft-injured uh, Conner. Uh, then several cam- training camp reports during OTAs started saying that Benjamin played really well and he looked like he was going to be the backup to Conner. I looked at our lads. I don't know if you ever go there. It's a great resource. Go to rlads.com and look up the uh, depth charts, you know, projected depth charts. And our lads list Williams as a second string running back on their depth charts. But like I said, some beat reports, reporters seem to think otherwise. I doubt that Connor's going to play more, you know, than a few snaps in the preseason. Uh, but I think the Cardinals can use training camp and these preseason games to determine who's going to be the direct backup to Connor. I still like Williams to win the job. Uh, given that he's already done more in the NFL as a backup in Kansas City than Benjamin did the last two years in Arizona. Still, I was a fan of Benjamin at Arizona State, considered him as very, you know, one of my highly targeted late-round targets in 2020 rookie drafts. Uh, someone's going to have to fill the Chase Edmonds role in Arizona after the after he signed with Miami, and that role could be really valuable even when Connor's healthy, actually. If Connor gets injured, the next man up is going to be an every-week starter for that period of time. And I like Williams because he's done it already in Kansas City for a short time, even last year. Another battle I'm curious about is Rashad Penny versus Kenneth Walker. Uh, Ken Walker was uh, drafted among the top five players in all of my rookie drafts. But if the news from OTAs is accurate, Penny is really the one poised to lead the back backfield in Seattle. And as they you know, said, can't believe everything you hear, but they said that he's going to get 20 touches per week. Uh, Penny was a first-round draft pick, uh, the 27th pick for Seattle in 2018. Walker wasn't far behind him, though. Even though he's a second-round pick, he was picked 41st, so not that far from 27th, and he was picked, of course, this year. Both have high draft capital, uh, but Penny is the one that just signed for one year while Walker is signed through 2025. So their contracts really do lead me to believe that Seattle's going to give Penny the bulk of the work this season while they let Walker develop into a lead role on the team in the years to come. Um, that's unless Walker does something during training camp or during these preseason games that leave the Seahawks no choice but to start him, and they are a team that will start whichever player they think helps them the most. They've done that, proven that in their in their history. Walker's dynasty value, I think it's going to hold steady even if Penny is the lead back for this season. I really think that's going to be true. His, his value is still going to hold. And then on the other hand, Penny could see his stock rise this season, make him a great player to sell high on. I really would be shocked to see his career completely turn around at this point. But those last few games of last season, when he went nuts, really gave me reason to think uh, I could be wrong on that. So I'm really eager to see what happens over the next six weeks during this training camp battle. Next one, some other running backs, says Marlon Mack and Damian Pierce. Um, Houston's running back room is full of question marks, as it was last year. They added Marlon Mack in free agency, and he's uh, two years removed now from his Achilles injury. Uh, Then they drafted Damian Pierce, but not until the fourth round. So they waited quite a while. Fourth round draft capital means that Pierce is definitely no shoe-in to win a a lead role, but it's hard to expect Marlon Mack to bounce back from such a significant injury, too. So this is a battle that I really want to watch. Deontay Foreman and Cam Akers both had splashes of real production last year uh, coming off of their Achilles injuries. And so maybe it's true that people can, particularly running backs, might be able to come back from this injury, which has not happened in the past. Um... Mac, you know, just didn't give us enough film, though, to, to form an opinion on if he's really healthy. Uh, he didn't even play as much as Foreman and Akers did last year. And so that's a question mark for sure. 
I was far lower on Pierce, you know, than most people were in this rookie class. In my opinion, his college production profile was just too weak. Um, though he is an excellent goal line rusher, and I'm convinced that he's talented enough to, you know, not convinced that he's talented enough to beat out Mac, uh, who was far more productive in college and had one great NFL career, pretty pretty famously productive year uh, back in 2020 before he got injured, before getting injured in 2020, that is. My bets are still in Mac, but the door is definitely open for Pierce to win the job. I want to see reports. I want to watch games. I want to see if Mac looks like he's even 90% of his, own, his old self. Uh, then I'll be pretty pleased and, and trust in Mac. But if he just doesn't seem to have it, uh, then it definitely is Pierce's job uh, to lose. Next training camp battle I'm, I'm uh, curious to watch is we'll call it Chicago's wide receiver two. So the Bears wide receiver depth chart was confusing enough before they added Nikhil Harry just a week ago to the roster. That was crazy. So behind Darnell Mooney, you know, any of these players could start in two and three receiver sets. Byron Pringle, Velas Jones, Nikhil Harry, Daz Newsom, and even Equinomia St. Brown. It's crazy. They even added Dante Pettis and Tajay Sharp in this offseason, too. So it's a big mess. Those are two of the guys that I used to love. If you followed me, Pettis and Sharp, much to my chagrin, they were players that I love. I just think Chicago's passing games need so much improvement. And someone has to become, you know, a frequent target for Justin Fields beyond just Mooney and Cole Komet. In this case, I really have no idea what to expect and who's going to emerge as the wide receiver two or the wide receiver three. Um, I picked up a few shares of St. Brown off the waiver wire when he signed with the Bears. I even picked up one to kill Harry share after the trade last week. But I have no idea, really, who's going to emerge as the starters on the team. They'll likely be irrelevant in Dynasty Leagues anyway. Uh, still, I'd be interested in adding the one that solidifies himself, hopefully as the wide receiver two opposite of Mooney in the two receiver sets at least. And... Uh, Man, it'll be kind of a back-of-the-roster guy, but I was one that I'm really curious to see uh, which of those wide receivers I'm going to hold on to and which ones I'm going to cut when it comes time for roster cut time right before the season starts. Next, we'll go back to running backs. <clears throat> Washington's running backs. Um, I've never been a big fan of Antonio Gibson, as you know. Uh, I've looked pretty bad for not liking him after some of his incredible games as rookie year, but since then, uh, he's been mediocre at best, and I feel more vindicated in my original view of him. Uh, J.D. McKissick has continued to be a thorn in his side in the passing game, and then drafting Brian Robinson in the third round didn't help his dynasty value at all. So I loved Jarrett Patterson and added him to several of my teams near the end of last season, but his draft capital and his contract make him kind of the odd man out right now, so I've dropped him from most of my rosters, I think, except one. I just think the Washington backfield is going to be a mess this year, unless one thing happens, unless Robinson you know, really fails to impress in the preseason, or if he breaks out in the preseason. That's really what it's going to come down to. So if Robinson proves something here during these next six weeks, uh, he's going to cut into this time. If he doesn't prove something, then maybe Gibson's rise can continue, whereas McKissick's kind of stays the same because his role has stayed the same. Robinson never beat out his competition for touches in Alabama, so I do have a hard time believing that he's suddenly going to be able to do so in the NFL. But as I already said, I'm also not a big fan of Gibson, so I think he has a better chance to do it than most other people probably think. So kind of caught between two spots there in my views on the Washington backfield. Can't wait to see what happens there. Another backfield I'm curious about is the Miami backfield. I expect that Miami's new coach, Mike McDaniel, will have a running back by committee approach throughout the year, unfortunately. But I'd be really eager to see which one of the three free agents that signed with the team this offseason will get the first touches. Now, the Dolphins signed Chase Edmonds, Raheem Mostert, and Sony Michelle this last offseason, and our lads, the depth chart, has them listed in that order. And if you follow the money, 
uh, that's the way the depth chart should be because Edmund signed a two-year, $12 million deal in comparison to Mostert and Michelle, who signed one-year deals for just over $2 million and just under $2 million, respectively. I believe Edmonds is going to get the first touches, uh, but beat reporters are already speculating that Michelle's going to be the one to handle the goal, goal line work since Edmonds hasn't proven uh, very good at that in his uh, young career. In my opinion, Mostert, who played for McDaniels in San Francisco, is still the, has, still has the most upside because if he can stay healthy, uh, he you know is going to be great. He's passed you know his test and was just cleared to return. I think I saw a report even come out yesterday or maybe even today about that. So I'm really eager to see if he can stay healthy. If so, he could really be the difference maker and the most explosive of these three running backs. Really, the whole Miami offense has been revamped with this new coaching staff and, of course, the addition of uh, Tyree Kill. So the entire offense is going to be really fun to watch before the season kicks off. And many of these players' dynasty values are really going to change depending on what we see over these next six weeks. A couple more battles I'm interested in. Three more here. We've got the Indianapolis pass catchers. So Michael Pittman's a rising star in dynasty, of course, and Matt Ryan's only going to make him even better this season. I'm convinced of that. There's no question that he's the top target in the passing game. But the rest of the pass-catching options in Indianapolis, they're wide open. See what I did there? Wide open. In all seriousness, though, uh, it remains to be seen which pass-catchers in Indianapolis can get open. Uh, Paris Campbell and Alex Pierce have you know, the same second-round draft capital, even though they were years apart in the, when they were drafted. They're both listed as the two starters opposite Pittman and our lads, the way that they have the depth chart. Uh, still, Ashton Doolin, uh, undrafted free agent, steadily saw more and more snaps uh, with the team as the second half of last season continued, and he was really starting to move up in the starting lineup, so I picked him up in lots of leagues at the end of last season. Uh, Mo Alley-Cox, you know, finally has the clear path to be at every down, you know, every down snaps, with Jack Doyle out of the picture now that he's retired. But then the Colts also drafted one of the freakiest athletes in the NFL combine, Jelani Woods. Uh, do you think that Mo Alley-Cox should hold off Woods for most of the season, uh, but I doubt that he'll become Ryan's second most targeted player. If Paris Campbell could stay healthy, uh, he should be the wide receiver too for the Colts, I believe. But he only played 14 games so far in his three-year career. 14 in three years. So not looking good for him on the health front. And I really liked Pierce's athleticism and his big play ability, uh, but he didn't have enough complete you know, college production profile that I'd normally trust. I could see him being used effectively in the red zone, but not really becoming a highly, highly targeted player. So I'm excited to see what Matt Ryan can do with this offense you know, the Colts and Jonathan Taylor, they're going to change their offense for the better this season. And training camp and preseason games are going to really help determine which of the ancillary players on their teams will become, you know, the one that sees their dynasty stock rise. Really want to check that out uh, during these next six weeks. Two more to report on here. One would be the Green Bay wide receivers. We all know that the departure of Devontae Adams, you know, made it where Aaron Rodgers was left with a combination of old veterans and rookies. Uh, he has an old friend in Randall Cobb. And his newest friend and Alan Lazard that he made a connection with last year. And then the Packers added Sammy Watkins via free agency. And then they drafted Christian Watson and Romeo Dubs in the draft. Plus, they still have the third round pick from last year, Amari Rogers. Pretty crazy lineup of receivers. Arlads currently has all of the vets listed as the starters. And I expect that the Packers are really going to start the season this way. Mainly because Rogers is so particular about his wide receivers knowing precisely what to do and where to be. Watson and Dubs are two of my favorite early and late round prospects, respectively, in this year's class, so I'm eager to see if they can move quickly past the vets on this on this depth chart. It's very possible. Thankfully, in the case of Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers, 
we're going to know definitively what happens during these next six weeks because Rodgers, uh, if he doesn't talk them up or if he doesn't, we'll say, target them up, uh, that's all we need to know because that's just the way he is. And so Rodgers will be the one that lets us know with his words and with who he throws passes to in some of these preseason games that we probably will play a lot. Uh, that's the way it's going to be. And finally, uh, the one that's the most curious, I just say everyone in Kansas City, not named Travis Kelsey. <laughs> so everyone in Kansas City, uh, with the loss of Tyree Kill and the addition of Juju Smith-Schuster, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, and Ronald Jones, I think the Chiefs offense uh, is filled with just unknowns right now, apart from Pratt Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. I've never valued Clyde Edwards-Alaire as highly as other dynasty managers have, so I would not be surprised at all to see Ronald Jones score more fantasy points than Edwards-Alaire this season. I wouldn't be surprised at all, especially since Edwards-Alaire has been terrible in the red zone. I think Jones is going to get all the goal line carries for sure. And then the battle to be Mahomes' second leading target behind Kelsey will be the most significant question mark. Uh, Mecole Hardman could hold off Smith-Schuster and Valdez-Scantling, but the newcomers could just as easily surpass Hardman in that respect. So I suspect, though, what's really going to happen is that Chiefs are going to spread the ball around a lot, making all their wide receivers and their running backs far less productive from a fantasy football standpoint, while still helping the team do better. I'm really eager, though, to watch this training camp to see if I'm wrong and if there really is someone that emerges among these. Check this out. These are the the hyphenated last name guys. (laughs) Look at this. They signed Valdez Scantling. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster, and then they have Clyde Edwards-Alaire. I'm going to call them the hyphenated team. I want to see which of these hyphenated last name guys can actually make a difference, or if it's really going to be Cole or Ronald Jones, the non-hyphenated guys that make the difference. It's going to be fun to watch Kansas City and try to place a bet on one of those guys as the preseason marches on. It's set. Man, this is the best time to be a dynasty freak. It's so fun watching all these training camp reports. I hope that you guys follow it and love it. Again, follow 32 Beat Writers. You need to follow the NFL 32 Beat Writers Twitter account. You'll get flooded with lots of information that make you your heart go up and down as you think about the dynasty value of players as we head toward the 2022 season. That's a wrap for this week, my freaky friends. Thanks so much for listening. Make it a two-way conversation anytime by contacting me at dynastyfreaks at gmail.com. That's dynastyfreaks with two Bs. At gmail.com, I'm much better on email than I am on Twitter, so I would appreciate uh, your support, too. I'd be honored if you take time to rate and review the podcast and help me as a little independent podcaster, a little nobody in the business, but you like me because you're listening, and I do appreciate your support. Thanks for listening. I do want to become your most trusted independent voice in the Dynasty landscape. Until next time, you know what to do. Go out there and get freaky. Thanks for listening to the Dynasty Freaks podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. We welcome your thoughts and advice. Let us know what you'd like to hear on the podcast or see on the website to help you dominate your league. Justin prides himself in responding to every email, so hit him up anytime at dynastyfreaks at gmail.com and follow him on Twitter at LonghornJustin. Justin.